Welcome to the Nations Church Podcast. On this episode, Nations Teaching Pastor Eric Gilmore shares a message called Wholehearted First Love Fire. You know, nothing pleases the Father more than intimacy with His sons and daughters. He wants our whole hearts. Comment to let us know where you're watching from and what God's speaking to you through the message. Well, before we get into the message, let's pray. Jesus, we want to know you intimately. We want to be your friends. As we listen today, ignite our hearts again with first love fire. Consume us with your love today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Before we read, I want to return to Revelation chapter 2. I want to remind us of what Daniel Kalinda has told us the vision of this church is. He said, and I quote, what is the ultimate vision? It is to fall more in love with Jesus. He said, it is to worship him deeper, to serve him more wholeheartedly. It is to become more obsessed, (laughs) more enraptured, more committed, and more fulfilled in Jesus. That is the nucleus. That's the cream of nation's church. As a matter of fact, the church itself. And from there, everything else flowing. Revelation chapter 2, the scripture says, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, The one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, this is the glorified Christ, says this, I know your deeds, your toil, your perseverance, and that you cannot tolerate evil men, and you put to test those who call themselves apostles, and they're not, and you found them to be false. And you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake. You have not grown weary, but, but I have this against you. That you have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and and repent and do the deeds you did at first. Or else I'm coming to you and I will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. Yet this you do have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate, Jesus says. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. One word out of everything that I just said kind of glows off the page for me. And it is the word love. And I read this and what... I see is three things that are commended by Jesus. He says they they have toil, which means perseverance in the midst of pain. And then number two, they are able to recognize false doctrine. And then they have nothing to do with evil men. So you have, they stay away from sin. They know the Bible really well, so much so they're able to tell who's true and who's false. And they persevere even in the midst of difficulty. They just keep on like Marines that take the beachhead. This is how they are. But Jesus says, all of these things are empty without first love. Jesus says, these things are great, but if you don't love me, they all fall apart. They're worthless. As a matter of fact, it was a great, there's a book written by G. Campbell Morgan in a great statement, a statement that I believe should be remembered by all of us. He says this, no amount of activity in the king's service can make up for the neglect of the king. No amount of activity in the king's service can make up for the neglect of the king. 
He also says all zeal for the master that is not the outcome of first love is worthless. He's pulling that from what Jesus is showing us in these verses. And he who draws his bride will never be satisfied with a servant. If our hearts recognize that first love is the number one thing in Jesus' mind, then we can look at first love as the central stone in the engagement ring. You take out that central stone, all you have is prongs left. I don't want to kneel down before my wife and ask her to marry me with just prongs. I want there to be a, a central stone. And Jesus is showing us loving him. As G. Campbell Morgan describes it, it's emotion yet enthusiasm, yet commitment, all merged in one. I love you. As a matter of fact, this is written to the church in Ephesus, which is the only church that Paul unveils the great mystery of love. Christ and the bride are as a husband and a wife. So we see this as something very important. And I know that I speak out what the whole nation staff's heart is. So I don't speak Contrary to what we're doing here, I speak underneath it. But we fool ourselves if we think that we please God because we have numbers. We fool ourselves if we think that we please God because we have attendance or budgets or events. As if a marriage is great simply because of the size of their house. Or a marriage is great because they have good salaries. Or a marriage is great because they got a lot of kids. That says nothing of whether or not they actually love one another. First love for Jesus. I mean, what kind of a bride is content to live without the presence of the groom? First and foremost, this kind of love, it defies analysis. It literally oversteps. It leaps over whatever channel you dig for it. It leaps over it with love and runs down the meadow with the fragrance of fertility behind it. There's this Love that oversteps even arithmetic. It's a worship that goes up to God, singing in poetry, forgetting calculations and being swooned. If we know anything about obedience, according to what Jesus teaches, obedience is simply a heart melted by love. Maybe Jesus is looking at somebody here today and he's saying, remember. Maybe you, you, you continued everything on. Maybe you, you're still going. I'm still faithful to God. You know, I'm still doing what I'm supposed to do, even though all this stuff has come against me. I'm still going. Or maybe you really know the Bible real well and you're just like able to heresy hunt. You're a great heresy hunter. You're like, this guy's wrong. Here, this chapter verse. Or maybe you're over here and you're like, you don't even touch anything remotely close to sin at all whatsoever. If it even has a cloud, you're like, no way, no way. I will not sin. I'm telling you right now, Jesus can look at people that do all of that and still say, I miss you. Jesus can still look at people like that and say, you're missing the whole thing. I'm sorry. You're missing the whole thing. I'm not pinning these things against each other. I'm saying these things should flow out from first love. As I said, all zeal for the master that is not the outcome of first love is worthless. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm just trying to call our attention back to what really matters. I mean, do you, do you have a, a time that you can remember in your life where your nature seemed to sing a new song and you were delighted by his presence, pulled to be alone with the Lord and just look at him in silent adoration? If those delights are old, I'm telling you right now, nothing can make up for it to him. 
and nothing can make up for it to you. It is the most important thing. You see, some people will give God their hands and do anything he tells them to do. Some people will give God their minds and think on things. And some people will give God their feet. I'll go anywhere you want me to go. But all the while, God doesn't actually have you until he has your heart. And when he has the heart, then he has the hands, then he has the mind, then he has the feet, because it's the central center of the man is his heart. And when God has the heart, he has the man. And Jesus is trying to say, listen, you can keep all the externals and still be missing the nucleus, the cream, the center, the the fountain from which everything should flow. And maybe the Lord is saying to some of us here today, I don't hear that song in the unusual hour anymore. Maybe the Lord is saying, am I waiting in vain for the spike nard of your heart? Here I am waiting for you. I long to be with you. And you pass me by and I'm still here waiting for you. Because I love you and I want to be with you. I'm telling you, Jesus is showing us in this passage that nothing satisfies him but love. Jesus is showing us that he pines for our love. I pulled a quote from this woman who really knows God. And she says this. She says, sometimes when I'm praying for the Lord's work or praying for my own needs or or, or praying for others, I hear a whisper behind me and it says, am I sweet to your heart? She hears a voice behind her and it says, am I beautiful in your eyes? If I do none of these things that you're asking, am I still sweet to your heart? If I don't do any of these things that you're praying for, am I still beautiful in your eyes? Above all that you ask and all that I can do, what I want, Jesus says, is you. I'll close out with this little story from this outstanding book called The Letters of Our Lord by G. Campbell Morgan. I read this to my wife last night and I just started crying because I can feel Christ's heart for us in this. So it goes like this. It says, a friend of mine years ago had a little daughter who loved him dearly and he loved her dearly. And at the time of the story, she's between 10 and 11 years of age. They were great friends, this father and daughter, and were always found in each other's company. But about this time, there seemed to come uh, some estrangement. They, They began to be distanced from each other, and he could not account for it. He didn't know why it was happening. He was not able to get her company as he used to. It seemed like she, she was shunning him. Even if he went for a walk around the block, she would excuse herself and say she had something to do at the home. He grieved much about this, and he didn't understand what was happening in their relationship, but he didn't want to bring it up to her. And then one day, his birthday came. In the morning, his daughter's face was wreathed in smiles. She comes forward and she says, Dad, I have a present for you. She handed him a package and he unfastens it and he finds an an exquisitely worked pair of slippers. And he says, darling, it's very nice of you to to buy these for me. And she goes, oh no, daddy, I, I didn't buy them. I made them for you. Then looking at her, he says, oh, now I think I understand. Is this what you've been doing for the last three months? And she replies, yes, father, but how did you know how long it took me to make them? He says, because for three months, 
I've wanted much of you, and I've not been able to have it. You've been so busy. My darling, I like these slippers very much. But next time, just buy the slippers and let me have all of your days. Because I would much rather have my child's heart than anything that she can make for me. I say that to bring us to the reason, the nucleus of Nations Church. We are lovers of Jesus first. If we miss it here, we missed it. If, if all that we're doing doesn't have its spring in love relationship, love exchange with Jesus, then I, I venture to say to him, it's a stench. He loves things that flow out of love. His greatest labors are together with his bride. And not just someone who will do the work. We always say, Lord of the harvest, you know, send forth laborers. But his definitions of, of laborers is different than ours. Ours is whoever will do the work. His is those through whom I can work. So I wonder if today we can all just, as Exodus 38.8 says, that the mirrors of the maidens were used to make a bowl in which men were to wash and the priesthood, they'd wash there. The mirrors were made there. In other words, you can look in there and see yourself and wash therein. I pray that we would look at this text today and see ourselves, whether or not we really love him. And then with the same text that exposed the dirt on our face and the extras and the complexities and the add-ons and the additions, that we would then take that water of the word and wash it off of us and have a clean face of loving Jesus. There are no brighter, there are no brighter eyes nor fairer face than those who give Christ his proper place. We hope you enjoyed our Nations Church podcast. Share this with a friend who needs to draw near to Jesus with first love fire. God bless you and have a wonderful week.